Hello and welcome to Dr. Ken's Sermons and Studies. I'm Ken Broman, folks, and I'm glad you're here. Hope you find today's episode meaningful, spiritually challenging, and nourishing to feed your hunger. I learned a new word this week, juridical. Now, I learned it in the terms of a phrase called juridical parables. Uh, Juridical sounds kind of legal, doesn't it? And indeed, that's where it comes. But it has to do with a, a juridical parable being a parable that causes someone to convict themselves by listening and responding to the parable. For instance, do you remember King David when he had the affair with Bathsheba? And you remember Bathsheba was married to Uriah and David was so intent on having Bathsheba to himself that he actually arranged for her husband, Uriah, to be killed in battle. In the midst of battle, he had sent orders that everyone should pull back, and nobody told Uriah. So he was stuck there, and he was killed in battle. And after that was over, the prophet Nathan comes to David, and he tells David a parable. He says, there once was a wealthy man, who had many sheep, flocks and flocks of sheep, hills covered with flocks of sheep. And there was also a very poor man who owned one little ewe lamb. And this little ewe lamb was loved by the entire family. It was as though this was another child in the family. Why, even the the owner, the man, would let this lamb eat from his plate and drink from his cup. I know that sounds kind of gross, but drink from his cup and then sleep on his chest. She was like a daughter to him. Well, the rich man had guests who came to stay with him, and hospitality required that he throw a feast for his guests. Well, even though hills were covered with flocks of sheep that belonged to him, he did not want to kill one of his sheep to provide food for his guests. So he took this one beloved little ewe lamb and made her into dinner for his guests. When David hears the story, He is so angered. He says, this man deserves to be put to death. He says, this man should repay that poor man four times over for what he has done. And then the prophet Nathan points his finger at David and he says, you are the man. And he didn't mean it the way we say that nowadays. That's a juridical parable, a parable that gets somebody to convict themselves. And that's the kind of parable that Jesus is now telling the leaders 
of the temple in Jerusalem. It's an easy parable to interpret. Some of Jesus' parables are not easy to interpret. This one is. It's an, uh, an, uh, an allegory where every part of the parable represents something else or someone else. The vineyard owner equals God. The vineyard equals the kingdom of God. The tenants are the Jewish leaders, the scribes, the Pharisees, the chief priests. Remember, not all Jews are the tenants here. It's not that Jesus is condemning all Jews. The the first Christian church was all Jewish people. Jesus was Jewish. It's not a condemnation of Judaism. It's a condemnation of those Jewish leaders who condemn Jesus to death. The slaves that the landowner sends equals the prophets who have come before Jesus, and obviously the son is Jesus. So when Jesus tells this parable to the Jewish leaders and asks them, what should happen to the tenants who kill the prophets who have come before, the slaves who have come before, and then who kill the son? And they say that those tenants should be put to a miserable death and other tenants should be brought in to produce fruit for this vineyard owner Jesus becomes Nathan, and he points his finger at the Pharisees and the scribes and the priests, and he says, you are the man. Well, the leaders don't take it as well as David took it. When Nathan convicts David with his parable, David repents. He takes it to heart. He's convicted by it, and he changes his ways. The Pharisees and the scribes actually begin to plot the very thing Jesus predicts in his parable. So as we listen to Jesus' parable today, we're sitting not in the temple in Jerusalem, but we are sitting in a house of worship. It's not 2,000 years ago, it's today. But the question still fits. Where do we fit in this parable? Who are we among the characters in this story? Clearly, we're not the vineyard owner. We know that's God. We're not the vineyard. That's the kingdom of God. We could make a case for the fact that we might be the tenants. After all, there are ways in which we reject Jesus But that's another sermon for another day. We are here to worship Jesus. We're not the servants sent to the vineyard tenants. Those were the prophets. And certainly we're not the son, Jesus. So who are we in this parable, in this story? Well, maybe the sermon title in the bulletin gives it away. You and I are the new tenants, In the vineyard, when Jesus asked the Pharisees and scribes what should happen to the tenants who kill the vineyard owner's son, they answered that those tenants should be removed and the vineyard to be leased to new tenants who will give the owner the produce of his vineyard at harvest. You and I are the new tenants who have been given the privilege of working in the vineyard, through no accomplishment or merit 
on our part. We didn't deserve to be invited to work in the vineyard, to be given this, this job, this work to do for the vineyard owner, to, to tend and care, to prune and fertilizer, to fertilize, to watch over the grapes of the kingdom of God. We weren't even the first people asked to do it. But it is now up to us. We have been given the opportunity to work for him. And on this World Communion Sunday, when our focus becomes very global, the children come in waving flags from all different nations and wearing costumes from all over the world, and we think about the huge vineyard that God has, uh, is growing in the world, the kingdom that is growing in the world, it's also a good thing to be reminded of our own corner of the vineyard. And to consider how our part of the vineyard is looking. As we gather to be reminded of the son and his death, the bread that reminds us of his body broken, the cup of his blood spilled. The question this parable asks us is, how's the vineyard where you live? How are things looking? Are the weeds being kept back from the vines so there's plenty of nutrition in the soil for the vines? Remember the parable of the sower that we looked at back in the summertime? Remember the, uh, the, the, the seed that was thrown among the weeds and the, the brambles that grew up and choked out? Uh, the, uh, the seed, uh, is the vine being allowed to grow? Are we keeping the weeds away? Are we protecting the vines from the birds that would love to come and eat all the grapes off of the vine before we ever have a chance to pick them? Are we taking the time to check on each vine that is in our uh, responsibility to make sure it is growing, it's healthy and pruned and, and producing fruit? You know, our, our attention can be pulled away so Easily, Before we know it, the weeds are taking over, the branches are growing wild, the birds are eating all of the fruit, and we've got nothing to offer when the harvest time comes. I heard a phrase recently that has just been running through my mind all week as this sermon has been gestating uh, inside of me this week. The phrase is, many micro Choices create macro effects. Now, the speaker, when I heard this, was talking about state tax reform and how gas taxes in North Carolina is, are higher than they are in Virginia and South Carolina. He's talking about the fact that along the borders of our state, because gas prices are lower in Virginia and in South Carolina, many people are making micro choices. They're just driving across the border, you know, for a tank of gas. It's cheaper in Virginia, South Carolina. Just little micro choices. It's just a car, a tank of gas, one person. But he said, when you add up all those micro choices, it begins to have a macro effect. 
Well, that thought has been staying with me all week in relationship to our work as the new tenants in the vineyard, those entrusted by God to be caring for, growing, producing a crop for his kingdom. We're not being called to make macro choices. You know, we're not being called to make huge impacts on the world. None of us is being asked to become the new Mother Teresa, to move to Calcutta and live in poverty. None of us is being asked to give our lives, to be another Dietrich Bonhoeffer or Martin Luther King Jr. sacrificing their lives for the kingdom. None of us is being asked to make huge macro-type effects on the world. But each one of us is being asked to pay attention to the micro-choices, the small things we do every day that over the course of a day, days and weeks, weeks and months and years, those hundreds and thousands of micro-choices we make begin to have a macro-effect on the lives of those around us, on the world around us. When you get up each morning, you begin a day filled with choices, micro-choices. How do you tend the vineyard that you've been entrusted with? How do you make those micro-choices each day that affect that vineyard? When you get up every morning, do you give thanks to God for the gift of that day, or is it grump until you get a cup of coffee in you? And anybody who happens to get in your way before that cup of coffee gets in your system does not see the kingdom of God in you. As you go through your day, each individual you meet is a vine in the vineyard, and it needs tended. Are you nurturing that vine? Ignoring that vine? Perhaps even doing damage to that vine? As you move through your day, you make hundreds of micro-choices about the words that you speak, the things you do with your time, the stuff you put into your brain that then affects the way you act and behave. You put all of those hundreds of micro-choices together each day, and they begin to have a macro-effect on you and on the world around you. Do you choose to focus on making money or making grapes? Do you choose to spend your time entertaining yourself or making others' lives better? Do you focus on whether others are treating you the way they should? Or do you focus on how you are treating the people around you? Do you encounter people with the goal to enable them to see Christ in you? or with the goal to get something from them. See, our entire lives are made up of all these little micro-choices we make each day that end up having a macro effect on our little corner of the vineyard, on the vines that we encounter each day. See, so often we think we're, we're one of the vines, 
That's not what this parable says. We're the new tenants who are in charge of nurturing the vines around us with the growth of the section of the vineyard that's been entrusted to us by the Son. On this World Communion Sunday, we gather in, in this little corner of the vineyard. We drink the juice of the grape, reminding us of the blood that was shed. We eat the bread that reminds us of the body of the Son broken for us. And it's a good time, even in that macro vision, global vision, to consider how our section of the vineyard is looking. How are you doing tending the vines that God has entrusted into your care, oversight? For the son was killed. He was dead. But he is alive. And he's coming back. What will he find in your section of the vineyard as far as the produce you have to offer him? Amen. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Dr. Ken's Sermons and Studies. My prayer is that this message has touched you, challenged you, and nourished you in your spiritual journey. If so, please share Dr. Ken's Sermons and Studies with your friends, and I pray God's blessings on you today. Thank you.